Good morning, Burlington Baptist Church, and good morning to everybody that's out there watching. We thank you for tuning in for our service today. If you haven't yet, get out there and share the uh, service with somebody you know that hasn't been tuning in, maybe somebody that doesn't even know that we're on. Now's a great time to do it, but we're just so thankful that you join us here each Sunday morning. For the people that are in the sanctuary today, a special welcome to you, and also just to let you know that if there's anything that you need during our services, we have a wonderful guest services that can meet every need. And we also ask that if you are joining us out there and you have any prayer requests, don't hesitate to put those in the comment section and let us know what those might be so we can be remembering you during the week. And those in the sanctuary, just pull out that card that should be in the seat in front of you and make that same note for us. As we get ready for worship today, I'm just going to ask that you join with me for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. And Father, this Sunday morning as we gather together, we can feel your presence. And we know, Father, that the Holy Spirit is here. And as that spirit moves through, Father, just touch us in a way through the message that Harold's going to bring. Just speak to us in a way in which we are on mission for you each day. Bless the praise team as they lead us today in a time of worship. And be with Danny as he uh, has enjoyed this time of reflection today and, and having this time off. We're just so thankful for his opportunity to get away. And we just thank you for Josh and the rest of the praise team getting together and leading us today. Father, we're just blessed to be in your house, and we thank you for leading us and guiding us. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who brings us here today, and we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, church, so as Jeff was saying, Danny is not here. Him and Tina are on their anniversary trip, so we will be taking the leads, and uh, I'm sure you want to look at us more anyway. So uh, with that being said, if you guys want to stand up, don't shake hands, don't move around, but yell at somebody, tell them that you're happy to see them, give them away this morning.
Church, you guys sound great this morning. Uh, before we pray for over our offering, I just wanted to remind you guys that we're not passing the plate this morning. Instead, we got three black boxes out there, out those doors, uh, and you can drop your offering in there. And we also got the Dollar Club boxes. Uh, drop a dollar in there if you have it. If not, not a big deal, but it does go and do a lot for the community. So let's pray over our offering. Lord, I just want to thank you for giving us this opportunity to come into your house and worship your name. Lord, I. Uh, I thank you for allowing us to have our doors open again and filling this room with people, Lord. I just want to pray a blessing over our offering and pray a blessing over the hands that gave it. In Jesus' name, amen.
upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and their children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening and you're coming and you're going and you're weeping and rejoicing he is for you he is for you church. You guys sound great. You guys can have a seat. Oh, man. Thank you. Y'all sounding great this morning. I invite you to take your Bible and turn to Nehemiah chapter 12. We're going to be in chapter 11 and 12 this morning. We're going to talk about Nehemiah's vision for the glory of God. Uh, we started in Nehemiah in February, and of course we got interrupted by COVID, and uh, we have one more sermon next week. We'll finish up, but we have saw uh, Nehemiah, we, he heard about the condition of the walls in Jerusalem. Uh, he prayed, he got the king's permission to return to Jerusalem to help him rebuild those walls, and under the hand and the blessings of God, uh, he made a plan, uh, Nehemiah did, he motivated the people, and they got after it. And they built that wall back in 25 days. And then he organized the people. Uh, they came together and heard the word of God. Uh, they had a heart to obey the scriptures. They confessed their sins. Uh, last week they make a, a covenant with God. And uh, they're serious about this. This morning we're going to look at chapters 11 and 12. And uh, we're not going to go deep. We're just going to kind of skim the surface. And we're going to notice Nehemiah's vision for the glory of God. I, I hope you have. A, a vision for God's glory. And so let me just uh, start by reading verse 43 this morning. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced 
and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. And Father, we pray today that that you would give us some reasons to rejoice. We pray that we might see some uh, come out of their sins today and and be saved and forgiven and have the hope of eternal life. And uh, if we are saved, we have so many reasons to rejoice. And uh, Lord, this is exciting times for Israel when they got that wall done and they celebrated. And uh, Lord, we have uh, same blessings and uh, you're so good to us and you're for us. And we praise you today, and and we want you to speak mightily through your word. And so give us ears to hear and receptive hearts today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So, so far in in, uh, the study of Nehemiah, we haven't talked a whole lot about the actual city of Jerusalem. Uh, But back in chapter 7, verse 4, it said that the city was wide and large, But the people within were few, and no houses had been rebuilt. And so we could ask the question, why weren't there houses built in Jerusalem? And one of the reasons is they didn't have walls, which meant that they were defenseless, and it was dangerous to live there. And uh, because it had no walls and no defenses, it had few people and few defenders if it was attacked. And so if you uh, have a place that really hasn't been inhabited for 140 years, which was the case for Jerusalem, uh, you can imagine it was run down, uh, probably filled with lots of rubble. When the Babylonians came, they tore everything down. And so just, just get that picture of grass and weeds grown up. And it was a difficult place to live and certainly would have been a difficult place to make a living. And so most of the people that had returned, uh, they had built themselves houses outside of the city. Many of them went to the little towns that their family had uh, lived in before uh, they were defeated by the Babylonians. And so they they built their houses. And so I kind of want you to get the, the big picture of Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was called the city of God, and in Jerusalem was the temple of God, the place of worship, and, and, and so the people of God uh, should have been there in the city of God. Uh, and so Nehemiah knew that uh, we got the walls rebuilt, now it's important that, that uh, the city be re-inhabited. And so the nation of Israel could never be uh, strong as long as Jerusalem was weak. And so we come to chapter 11, and uh, Nehemiah 11.1, Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, so Nehemiah and the other leaders, and the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remained in the other towns. And so Nehemiah needed people to move into the city. And so as we consider Nehemiah's vision for the glory of God, the first thing that was necessary was relocation for the glory of God. And so they cast lots, and basically Nehemiah had this plan that uh, they'd cast the lots, and one out of ten would, would be required to move to the city of Jerusalem. And so it's kind of like Nehemiah decided we're going to tithe the people, and 10% will will move into the villages of Jerusalem. Now, you might think that the people really love God, they would want to live in the holy city, and they'd want to be a witness for the other peoples of the, of the world. But, but think about this, they, many of them had built their houses and gotten settled in and, and uh, probably picked some good land and probably had started a little business. They had probably become comfortable 
And, and comfortable can be an enemy to the church and to the work of God. And they probably thought, why would I bother moving to Jerusalem when, I'm, when I've kind of got set up now here in this place? And, and we realize that today, even in the church, many people won't, won't go to the mission field. They won't even go into the cities because they're comfortable where they're at. And listen, sadly, many of our churches are comfortable where they're at. But we've got to get out of our comfort zone if we want to reach people. And so part of Nehemiah's vision for the glory of God, especially there in Jerusalem, was repopulating and relocating a tenth of the people into Jerusalem. Now, we don't have time to go through every verse in, in chapter 11. Let me just highlight a few things that we notice. Uh, beginning in verse 4 is the list of families from two tribes. There were 12 tribes of Israel, but uh, the tribe of uh, Judah and Benjamin made up what they called the southern kingdom, or Judah. And, uh, and so this is the tribe that was taken captive by the Babylonians. This is the two tribes that came back to Jerusalem. And so he just mentions the families there. You see lots of names. In verses 10 through 24, there is a list of priests and Levites and gatekeepers and temple servants and a variety of city officers and, and Nehemiah council and lists that. I want you to know that there was a variety of people that were needed for the temple ministry uh, to sacrifice the animals, to maintain the buildings, to guard the temple, to provide for the needs of, of the needy. And, and I was just thinking about how that relates to our church. And if, if we want to grow this church long term for the glory of God, we need lots of people to be involved. Matter of fact, each week we need, we need to have four or 500 people out there in your neighborhoods and, and communities and in your schools and, and in your workplaces, contacting people and having gospel conversations and, and talking to them about the Lord. We're, we're about halfway through 2020, and many of you identified a person that you wanted to see saved this year. What's, it's now's the time to, to be contacting them and having these gospel conversations. And listen, we, we want to invite people to church and we are blessed by visitors we we are having visitors even now after we've returned and we're thankful for that but but we ought to have more if we're busy reaching out and inviting people to come so we see that in chapter 11 when we come to to chapter 12 we have another list of people Nehemiah here provides an ancestry of the leaders and their families all the way back to Zerubbabel He's the first one mentioned in chapter 12, and he is the first one who led the first group of people back to Jerusalem. And, and, uh, and so he starts there, and, and he lists these, uh, the people that had returned. And, and uh, if we count up all these lists in chapter 11 and 12, I, there's around 3,000 men. And if we added the children and the, and the wives, we, we would have uh, about 10,000 now coming into Jerusalem, which would have meant that if that was a tenth of the population, that there were somewhere around 100,000 Jews uh, in Judah at this time. And God had blessed them, brought them back to the, to the land. And I, I don't want to get too caught up in the numbers, uh, but it might be a, appropriate for us to consider some data today. The population of the world is, is now over 7 billion people that's b billion people and let me ask this where does the majority of the people live and the answer is that the vast majority of the population today live in cities in 1970 40 percent of the world's population lived in cities 
That percentage now is closer to 90%. Uh, Today, the 21st century church faces an increasingly urbanized world. Listen to this. Over 500 cities in the world have populations exceeding 1 million people. Over 30 cities have populations over 10 million people. Uh, In the United States and Canada, it's estimated that there are over 275 million people who do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus says the, the fields are white unto harvest, our fields are white unto harvest. And so if we, we take that, many we say, where do most of them live? Well, most of them live in the city. And, and so years ago, the the, the North American Mission Board, they, they didn't stick their, their head in the sand, but they realized that we need to go to the cities. And so they picked 32 cities in North America uh, to target. Cities like uh, New York. Now, there are over 22 million people there and over 500 people groups. And Cincinnati and, and Seattle and, and Chicago and Miami and New Orleans and Toronto and Montreal. And they picked 32 of these cities and, and they say, we're going to go to those places and we're going to try to reach people for Christ. And uh, sometimes we have to go where there's lots of lost people if we want to have an impact. And so sometimes God calls us out of our comfort zone to, to go to those difficult places and the same is true on the local level Uh, there are certain areas in our communities that are unchurched and we have to go to those areas and we got to reach out to them with the love of Christ and we should be looking for those areas around us as well and of course Cincinnati is is right up the road from us so we see repopulation and relocation for the glory of God secondly I want to point out the participation for the glory of God I noticed there in, back in chapter 11, verse 2, it says, The people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. And so there were some people who said, Listen, you don't have to choose me. I'm willing to move to Jerusalem. And uh, they were willing to make a, a sacrifice and relocate into the city. And I just want to say, Praise the Lord for volunteers. Those who sacrifice themselves for the glory of God. And, and Burlington Baptist has lots of those kind of folks. And, but listen, this morning we're going to need lots of volunteers in the near future. Let me say that again. We're going to need lots of volunteers in the near future. Uh, we got some people who aren't comfortable coming back to church and they won't be able to do that for a while. And, and we've got some people who have already seen this as an opportunity to kind of back out of ministry for, for a variety of reasons. And, and so we need people. We're going to need people soon in, in the nursery and our children's classes and life group leaders and greeters and people to do video and, and give and pray. And, and so we're going to need lots of participants. And, and what we find in the Scripture is that God uses many people with different gifts and skills to get His work done in in the church and in the world. And uh, it's important that we give ourselves to the Lord so He can use us as His instruments in accomplishing His purposes. And so I want to say to each one of you, each one of you listening, each one of you here is important to the work. And uh, let me ask you, don't you want to be a participant in the work that God wants us to accomplish? So relocation participation thirdly organization for the glory of God now we've already seen some of Nehemiah's organizational skills 
Uh, in verse 3 of chapter 11, the chiefs of the province who lived in Jerusalem, but in the towns of Judah, everyone lived on his property in their towns. Israel, the priests, the Levites, the temple servants, and the descendants of Solomon's servants. And, and we keep reading about these various, and we begin to see some organization take place. Uh, in verse 9, the sons of Benjamin, Joel was their overseer. Uh, just a few verses, verse 14, Zebedee was the overseer over the priest. And we just see that kind of language of certain overseers. Uh, verse 16, uh, uh, there's some guys' names, uh, they were over the outside work of the house of God. And uh, Verse 17, uh, one was uh, the leader of the praise. And in verse 21, these were over the temple servants. And I think what it teaches us is that it is good and appropriate to be organized for the glory of God. And so we need some who are leaders and overseers. And then we need people who take instructions and, and make sure we don't uh, neglect the various ministries and activities of the church. And so in the church, we need leaders and laborers uh, for the glory of God. Then we get to the dedication for the glory of God. And uh, in chapter 12, we come to one of the, the great celebrations in the Scriptures. And uh, it begins in verse 27. It is the celebration or the dedication of the wall in Jerusalem. We spent all these chapters talking about getting the walls rebuilt, and, uh, and now they're going to celebrate. And so chapter 12 tells us that uh, Nehemiah brought together the Levites, the musicians, the singers from all the regions around Jerusalem, and uh, he took them up to the walls, and uh, they staged this great procession or this parade around the walls. And this parade is, what Nehemiah does is he kind of divides them into two groups. And uh, Nehemiah, he led one group. Uh, Ezra leads the other group. And this dedication is kind of a climax in the book of Nehemiah. Now let me point out a couple things about this dedication. Uh, first of all, we see purification before the dedication. Now, a dedication comes from a Latin word. It means to give or to offer. And when an object is dedicated to the Lord, it, it means that we give it to the Lord for His control. And so notice chapter 12, verse 30. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. Let me just, I want us to notice the order. Uh, first of all, the, the priests and the Levites, the leaders, they, they dedicate themselves to the Lord. And then the people, and then the gates and the walls. And we could ask, what good are the dedicated walls without dedicated people? And so there's the purification before the dedication. And then the celebration in the dedication. I don't want you to miss the elements of this dedication. There, there's this emphasis upon joyful praise on the part of the people. And so... Beginning in verse 27, uh, singing is mentioned eight times. Thanksgiving is mentioned six times. Rejoicing seven times. And, and what we're going to see is that Nehemiah calls together the choir, and the choir leads both groups around the walls. And if you read through the Old Testament, you, you're, you'll be amazed by the number of times, of how many times the, the choir or the singers lead the processions Sometimes they even lead the processions in battle. Uh, they certainly did around uh, Jericho. And so let's notice some of the elements of the celebration. Uh, the first is singing. Some of you like singing. 
uh, verse 27, it says, The dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving, and with singing, with cymbals and harps and lyres. Verse 28, And the sons of the singers gathered together from the districts surrounding Jerusalem. And so uh, the singers are called together. And uh, they're singing all the way around the walls. And they're playing instruments. And when the dedication service begins, the singing begins. And this is so important to Nehemiah. A matter of fact, he identifies in the scriptures, verse 42, that uh, Jezariah was the choir director. He's the leader of the singers. And uh, what do they sing? I don't know. Glory, glory, hallelujah. I don't, I don't know. I, they probably sang some of the Psalms. Uh, Psalm 105, for example. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wonderful works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. And There's all kinds of psalms that the people of God sang back to God. And, and so singing has always been a striking feature of worship in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Now, that's not true of all the other religions. Uh, they don't have much to sing for. But as believers, we have so many reasons to sing. And, and so Christians, they write hymns and choruses and praise songs. And we sing in our services. And, and uh, when the governor said we shouldn't sing, we was like, no, we, we can't worship if we can't sing. We, we've got to sing. Christians love to sing about God and sing to God and, and sing about the things of God. And, and listen, we sing at all occasions. I did a funeral this weekend, and we sing. We sing Amazing Grace, and when we all get to heaven, we, we sing. Listen, if you're a born-again child of God, you have every reason to sing. If you've been saved by the, the grace of Almighty God, you ought to sing. And someone said this, if you are bored with worship, you are not ready for heaven. You think about that. If you're bored with worship, you're not ready for heaven. And so may God give you a song in your heart. Now, some people act like it's not a big deal whether you sing or not. I disagree with that. Hebrews 13, 15. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. And so with our lips, we can offer him a sacrifice of praise. And uh, listen, I'm not going to rob God of his glory, and I'm going to praise him. And I can't sing a lick. And so uh, that doesn't matter. And uh, you don't have to sit beside me, uh, but I'm going to sing, and I'm going to sing out. And so not only is there singing, but secondly, they're sacrificing. Verse 43, and they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoice. And I want to say this, when the people of God see God at work, it moves them to sacrifice. J. Hudson Taylor, a missionary leader, said, when God's work is done in God's way for God's glory, it will not lack God's support. And so let me ask you, do you make any sacrifices in regards to carrying out the work of God through his local church? And, and many of you do. And I, I'm thankful for the sacrifices and the giving that you provide so that we can do the Lord's work here at Burlington Baptist. And, and again, we realize, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, that our God is able. What's he able to do? He's able to make all grace abound to you 
so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And so we give to the work, and God gives grace so that we can meet all the needs and praise Him for that. So singing, sacrificing, and number three, rejoicing. Uh, verse 43, and they offered sacrifices that day, and, and they mourned. No, it doesn't say that, does it? It says they rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. And the women and children rejoiced. And the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. And so you read that verse and you hear rejoice, 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 joy, joy, joy. Anybody tired of all the whining and groaning these days? Somebody say amen. Ready for some rejoicing. And listen, when we come to the pages of the New Testament, Philippians 4, 4, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, Paul said, rejoice. The book of Philippians is all about joy, and Paul wrote it, and he's in prison. And we think, well, what's he got to rejoice in? He's got so much to rejoice in. Now, how can we rejoice when things don't go our way and when bad things happen and when others let us down? Well, we rejoice in the Lord, and we rejoice that He's trustworthy, that He's sovereign, that He is the, the living and resurrected Lord. We have reasons to rejoice, and I don't know what you might be struggling with today, and, but if you've been saved by the unmerited grace of God, you have so much to rejoice. I mean, just think about the gospel for just a moment. We, we're sinners, all of us. We lived under the wrath of God. We were separated from God. We were on a road, a broad road that leads to destruction in a real place called hell. And God sent His Son Jesus, and He came. He lived a sinless life. And then He goes to the cross and bears our sin. He, he takes what I deserve for my sin, which is death. He took it for me. He died in my place. And they buried him, and he was raised again, and he offered salvation to me. And I repented and believed, and I enjoy the forgiveness of my sins. And, and that's the offer of the gospel, that, that God will take away our sins because Jesus paid for them. And when you think about, even though you're a sinner, you can be forgiven, and you can have eternal life with Jesus forever, you have reason to rejoice, regardless of what this world may throw at you. And I realize it gets tough sometimes. But d does it concern you that more Christians aren't living joy-filled lives? It should. Let me ask you this. Does it concern you that there's not more celebration in the church today? Listen, church, there are times when we ought to pull out all stops in regards to offering praise to God. Let's, when someone gets saved, we, we, ought to just, we ought to just go a little crazy, get excited, celebrate a little bit. Because someone was headed to hell, and God rescued them, and now they're going to heaven. And uh, we see that throughout this chapter. I don't have time to read it all, but we see it with instruments. Verse 27, uh, get out the cymbals and the harps and the lyres. And in verse 35, there's trumpets. And, and, and we notice that the praise is offered with thanksgiving. And, and so you had to take some time to, to read some of this. Uh, verse 27. It says, with thanksgiving and with singing, with cymbals and harps and, and lyres. Verse 31, it says that uh, they, they went up and they gave thanks. Verse 38 talks about uh, with thanks. Uh, verse 46, it says uh, they were songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. We could just look at all that. All the thanksgiving. Psalm 69, verse 30. 
And 31 says, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hoof. And in other words, more than sacrifice is praise and thanksgiving. And notice that they offered their praise with joy. Uh, we saw it in verse 43. With joy and with volume. Anybody like to turn it up? In verse 42 it says that it was heard far away. That means that they didn't hold it to themselves. They got up on that wall and they played the instruments and they sang the praises and the neighbors heard it. And maybe it's time for the church to make a little noise. I don't know. Is it time to make a little noise? Maybe you got to move those masks away and, and make a little bit of noise. And maybe if you're at home you might want to make a little bit of noise. Maybe we need to spend a little time asking God to do something in and through us that we can't help but offer praise and celebrate and and make some noise. Now, before we close, let me ask the question, why did Nehemiah organize such a dedication service? And why didn't he just all meet there at the temple area and sing a couple songs and pray and say a few words and sing a song and then just go home? Maybe, maybe have a little meal or something. Listen, the walls and the gates were being dedicated. And we got, we got a, a map. If you look at a map of Jerusalem, then they take a part of the group and they go one way to the east side and part of it and they go to the west side. But it was important for the people to actually go to the walls and, and see the walls and touch the walls. And, and they're bearing witness to a watching world what God had done through them and the fact that God was deserving of all the glory. Remember back in chapter 4, verse 3, the enemies came and they said uh, the walls would be so weak that a fox could, not, could, could, could knock them down. And, uh, and now they're marching on these walls. And uh, isn't that amazing what God can do in us? Listen, I've been in church all my life and I don't know how many times I've heard and, and probably how many times I've said we can't do that. I bet God gets tired of hearing I can't do that, or we can't do that. What a testimony to an unbelieving world when we allow God to be God, and when we allow God to accomplish things that we can't do. In Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 16, the people realized something. And when all of our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid, and they fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. And they, they couldn't do it. They just spun their wheels. Uh, but God gave them a mind to work. And, uh, and now they're marching on those walls. And they were able to see that God was able to accomplish uh, through them as they worked together under his inspiration. And again, in, in chapter 4, verse 6, the people had a mind to work. And so do you see it, church? God used the people to accomplish the task. And he hasn't really changed his ways. He still uses his people to accomplish his task. And uh, when we acknowledge his hand in our lives, he gets the glory. It's not about our glory. It's, it's about what God accomplishes through us. And so finally, we notice it was the people who came together to rebuild the walls. Uh, last week, it was the people who came together to make this covenant with God. And today, we notice it wasn't just the, the professional musicians who celebrated and sang and rejoiced. No, they led it. But verse 43, where we started, the women and the children also rejoiced. They joined in the singing. 
Listen, it's, it's easy. We're getting ready to close. Listen to this. It's, it's easy to become spectators in what God is doing instead of participants. And uh, you know spectators miss the blessing so often. Christianity isn't for spectators. It's for participants. Active participants in the kingdom. And uh, let me say this. Some of you have been spectators long enough. And today the Lord might be inviting you to become a participant. And, and may God today give His church a vision for His glory. And may He call a group of men and women and boys and girls who, who want to roll up their sleeves and join Him in what He wants to accomplish right here, right now. And when He accomplishes only what, what He can accomplish... May we be filled with joy and rejoicing and praise. And may our praise be heard for His glory. Because He is worthy of all the glory. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we pray today that you might just give us a vision for your glory. Give us a vision for what you want to accomplish. And, and maybe in the past we've said we can't do that. And, and maybe we can't. But, uh, but with you all things are possible. And uh, Lord, help us, as I said, to expect great things from you and attempt great things for you. Help us to, to live with that kind of mindset. Father, we pray today that you might uh, call some to get off the sidelines. Uh, Lord, some of us would need to just be filled with joy. We realize that we've been saved and, and you're for us and you're with us and you want to use us. Give us a, a greater vision today, Father. We pray for that, and, and we pray you would save some today. Uh, there are some who are in their sins, and uh, we pray that they would turn from those sins and believe upon Jesus and be saved. And, uh, and for some, Lord, who maybe are comfortable, uh, we pray this morning that you might uh, unsettle them a little bit, uh, call them to your work and to your service, and wherever you might want them, Lord. Now, there are people all over the world who need to hear the gospel. And so you call some today to go to the peoples of the world. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We ask you to respond this morning. Uh, if you need to respond in some way, if there's something we can do to help you, uh, you can leave a comment or you can email me at hbest at burlingtonbaptist.org. Or uh, you can call us sometime. And if you need to be saved, we, we would love to talk to you about a relationship with Jesus. And maybe today you, you've said, I've been a spectator long enough. I, I want to be a participant in the work that God has. You, you let us know, and we'll help you to find a place where you can serve the Lord.
job great job i know you're blessed today by the message and by the song and today as we get ready to close first of all just thank you for joining us today we have a couple of announcements just to make you aware of number one don't forget the dollar club um, it continues to be a great ministry even through these times we're able to help so many people so make sure that you're uh, diligent on that if you're at home and you want to give to the dollar club always know that you can go online and select that on the church website number two is we are looking towards july the 12th is our day to start slow rolling out our groups and our bible study time and we are getting that information ready continue to watch the website and watch all the little posts that we have and we'll be referring back to that and give you a further update but today is a special day I'm gonna ask brother Harold to come on up here many of you know this some of you don't but this is your first anniversary at Burlington Baptist Church and right. you have done a wonderful job yeah, thank you good thank round you. of applause for that um, there's not many pastors 
that in their first year, they can <laughs> empty out a sanctuary and still have a job. But you are that kind of a man. No, uh, for those of you that know Harold, you just know his heart and how he continues to give, not only to the congregation, but to the community, and how he really seeks the lost. And we're blessed to have a man like that that has been called by God to come and lead us today. And we're so thankful for you and Jenny. And we know Thank that you. Jenny keeps you on the straight and narrow. Right. She reminds you, so we celebrate that with you, too. Mm -hmm. And I just have a question. Is there any truth to the rumor that to celebrate your first anniversary that you're going to be buying ice cream across the street at Dreamy Whip for everybody? Yes, yes. Okay, oh, okay. Well, I can't, I, I was giving him a chance to say no because it's a joke, but now he's all in. Come on in. Just let throw him my buy name his, out there if you want yeah, to. Yeah, just throw his name out there. That's great. But just, uh, we're that just so $3 blessed. That $3 will get you some ice cream. How much? Three dollars? That and three dollars? Oh, yeah. Three dollars for everybody. That's not much. So we're just uh, blessed to have you as our thank pastor. And today, you. as we close, I'm just going to ask that you just close us in a word of prayer. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, I've been blessed this year. Thank you for your love and support for me and my family. And uh, I miss some of you and uh, look forward to seeing you again. Uh, you might have to remind me of your name, some of you. It's been so long, but uh, we've been blessed this year, and uh, we love you. Let me, let me pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of serving you. Uh, you're an awesome God, and uh, we're humbled to be able to, to serve you. Uh, Lord, you died for us, and uh, we want to make you known. And uh, we pray for a, another blessed year, and Lord, that we see people saved and, and added to your church. And Lord, we want a vision for, for what you want to accomplish here at Burlington Baptist. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of it. And uh, we pray that you're glorified in our lives. And uh, help us, Lord, to, to seek you every step of the way. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.